to be able to read all of all of the context of these verses here. Uh, but I was just thinking about this story the other day, and the story of King David after he was king. Right, you know, he spent several years on the run from Saul. Saul tried to kill him many times, and, and um, all David did uh, to deserve uh, the hatred of Saul was to be uh, David. You know, he was a great warrior, uh, a great help to King Saul, and because he was a great servant, uh, people uh, started to like King David, right? And because he was a great warrior and the Lord blessed him, then people started singing that David's killed his ten thousands, but Saul has killed his thousands, you know? And Saul's like, well, I killed other people too before, you know? And so you get into pride, you know, well, I do stuff too, you know? And, and, and so... Uh, you know, it should be okay that people under you are, do things greater than you, right? I mean, that should be fine because how else are you going to ever uh, uh, encourage people to grow and to increase, amen? You know, there, there should be people even in this church that either know the word more than I know or, you know, walk in love more than I walk in love or, uh, you know, there's things that I should be able to add to my life from you on a regular basis, amen? Well, Saul wasn't like that, you know. He, he thought he had, uh, you know, that everybody on the, had to sing his praises and so, so we know the story, right? David was anointed as king. Saul still stayed king long after his expiration date. And finally, he was killed on, in, uh, on the battlefield. David was ascended to, to the king, at the position of king, uh, for part of, part of Israel. Then finally, he was king over all of Israel. Uh, and then uh, things started to, to settle down a little bit. Uh, and, of course, he was friends with Saul's son, Jonathan, uh, but then after a while, you know, if you look at the history of kings, not just in Israel, and of course, this was the case later on in Israel, but kings of other of other countries, you know, when you rose to power, the first thing you usually did was you killed everybody that might be a threat to your position, right? So so if you were in the same, even in the, the nation of Israel, uh, some of the sons would rise up to be kings. They'd kill all their brothers and sisters, right? Uh, and so, you know, it's just terrible. It's amazing we survived as a, as uh, as human beings, right, until the Lord came. Uh, but uh, you would also kill all the, if you weren't a part of the family, you would kill all the previous king's family just to make sure nobody would rise up and be king. And so that was a common occurrence. And so, uh, but, but David wasn't that way, right? And so uh, this is the story in Second Samuel chapter 9. And I'm just going to read uh, in verse, starting in verse 3. It says, the king, talking about David, the king said, is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I might show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame in his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of, uh, of uh, whoever that is, Makar, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Uh, and so he went down and found this uh, Jonathan's son, which was Saul's grandson. His name was Mephibosheth. Uh, and David uh, went and got him, and he told his servants he was, he was crippled. He was a cripple. Uh, in uh, in his feet, and so he couldn't uh, work the land, but he was still uh, Saul's grandson. And Jonathan had died, which was his son, and Saul had died, which was his grandfather. Uh, and so David found this grandson who who was a cripple, uh, and he said, uh, you can read the context at, at your own convenience there, but uh, David told his servants of Mephibosheth, uh, now, you go work the land for him. You go grow the crops. You, you harvest the crops. You take care of his household. Everything that was Saul's, that Saul owned now, is his. Uh, but he's going to stay in my house, and he's going to eat from my table. And I just want to show the kindness. He said, because he said that, the, what he said that I like, he said that I may show the kindness of God unto him. 
Saul never showed any kindness to David. And yet David, being the great man of God, said, I want to show kindness to who other people would, would call my enemy, but I'm going to show kindness to him. And that was, you know, that just, I just love stories like that because, uh, you know, we have the capacity to do even greater things than David did. We have the spirit of God and the love of God living on the inside of us. And we can show great kindness to even those who have been against us uh, over the years uh, and, and be, you know, be the person that God wants us to be. Amen. Uh, and so I just want to encourage you that if David can do that, you know, surely you can do that. You know, where, where is the, you know, family members of people that have only done me wrong all, all of my life? I want to be a blessing to them. You know, go find them out. You know, go hunt them down and be a blessing to them. Amen. Uh, and so uh, if David can do it, we can do it. Amen. Uh, and so let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and then we'll get into praise and worship. Yes, Father. Worship. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We worship you, Father. We adore you, Father. Father, you said in your word that we can bless you. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Father, we choose to bless you. You bless us, Father. We choose to bless you, Father. Declare your goodness, kindness, Father. To tell the world how wonderful you are. Father, to thank you for the things you've done for us. Father, to follow your word and yield to your spirit. Father, we worship you. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and kindness. And Father, we thank you that we can walk in days of heaven upon the earth, Father because of the work that you've done. Thy will be done on earth, Father, just as it is in heaven. And so, Father, we look to heaven as our example of the lives we can live on the earth. Father, that's your will. That is your desire for your people. And Father, we are your beloved people. You paid a great price, Father, to adopt us into your family. You paid the ultimate price, Father, a price beyond measure so that we could be your family. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for this thing, Father. Thank you, Father. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? You know, you think about how, uh, how big a sacrifice the Lord made on our behalf by sending the Lord Jesus into the earth. And, um, and then you have people in a church that says, well, God doesn't want to, you to be blessed on the earth, you know. He wants you to only wait till you get to heaven. And, you know, that's like somebody, you know, giving you a, a brand new house but refuses to turn the electricity on. I mean, well, what's the point, right? You've got this beautiful house, but, you know, you just, uh, you ever gotten something and, and it's, everything's wonderful except for one or two little things that almost makes the whole thing of no value, right? Much of the church believes that we don't get any blessings from heaven until we arrive in heaven, that uh, we get saved on the earth, hang on the best you can till you get to heaven, and then, you know, it'll be fine then. Well, that doesn't make any sense, right? We have a lot to accomplish for the Lord on the earth. We have a lot of things to do for the Lord on the earth, and it takes things to do that, amen? It takes resources to do that. I understand things can get out of balance in the Word of God, and things can get out of balance in doctrine, but... Uh, 
I'd rather find the middle of the road and stay there. Amen. If the Lord says I can have things, then, then, then I want those things uh, because it's all for his glory and all for his benefit uh, as I live here on the earth. Amen. Uh, and so uh, that, one, that one phrase in that second song we sang about uh, if I'm not dead that you're not done, I'm just a big fan of that phrase because it reminds me that uh, whatever I'm doing on the earth, it's worth, it's worth the effort, amen, to allow the Lord to change me. Uh, a lot of times people think it's too much work to change, right? It takes effort to change. It takes prayer, time of prayer to change. It takes uh, setting down things in your own heart and life to, in order to change. And sometimes people think that the effort to do that is too great. Uh, but are you breathing air still? Well, then you, you got time to do it. Amen. Uh, are you still on the earth? Then there's time for the Lord to work in your life. Amen. Amen. Uh, the Lord hasn't uh, brought you home, and so there's work for you to do on the earth. Amen. Uh, and so uh, people will try to tell you that, you know, at a certain age or, or you've done certain mistakes that God could never use you again. And I just find it hard to believe that God would just cast aside a child that he has spent so much time to, to uh, bring into his family to cast them aside as if they're nothing. Amen? Because he's a king. Amen. He died for everybody. Uh, and surely if you're his child, that he still counts you as valuable on the earth. Amen? Uh, and yet people, people have tried to tell me I'm of no value, no count. Uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, one thing that's, that has always helped me over the years, you know, as you study the word of God and read the word of God, uh, he says he'll write his laws upon your heart. That's not just do's and don'ts. That's what he thinks of you. And so when people say, you know, you're, you're no count, you're no value, in my heart it rises up, yeah, but a king died for me. A precious blood was shed for me. So, and who, what's your name again? Uh, you know, you look at him like, who, who could you possibly be that would override the words from heaven? Right. Amen? Uh, because people will try to tell you that, you know, who are you? You're no count, you're no value. Uh, I, I must be pretty important. I've got the great king of the earth, and I've got Satan both trying to get my spirit man so I must be somebody important. I've got the two, two of the greatest powers in the universe, you know. I mean, I know Satan's not, not uh, deity, but he's a pretty big power in the universe. He's defeated, I understand it, but still he has great authority in the, in the earth where people let him. Uh, they're both wanting my spirit, man. I must be a value, amen? Uh, nobody, uh, uh, if you're no value, they just walk right by you, right? You know, you go to the flea market and you walk by a lot of stuff that you don't want. All right, uh, we won't lie because of no value to you. You'd walk right by it. But then if, uh, if something of value comes up for auction, everybody's bidding on it. Uh, and you ever been to an auction, right? And you get something, you know, it's the porcelain uh, uh, doll or something, or not a doll, somebody might actually want that, but some other figurine, right? Uh, uh, any bids, just crickets, nothing. Why? Nobody wants that, right? And so it's, you know, it just, they don't even sell it. They just goes back to the pile, right? but then something of great value, you know, like a power tool, something important, right? Drill or, you know, a saw, you know, something useful comes up and, and everybody's bidding on it, right? I'll, I want some of that, right? And so uh, the, the Lord and Satan are both after your spirit, man. Uh, you must be valuable, amen? Now, the devil will tell you you're, no, you're of no count, right, as he's trying to get your spirit, right? And so he's lying to you. He's a seducing spirit, Amen. Uh, and so let's open up our Bibles to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll continue there today. We started uh, our teaching last week, a new, new um, uh, subject on spirit, soul, and body. And, um, you know, this is a, a, one of the uh, most important things that you can learn as a child of God. And so we'll, we'll read the verse here, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Uh, uh, this is uh, in, in chapter 5, verse 23. It says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly.'" 
And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and so Paul is making a distinction here that a human being is made up of three parts, a spirit, a soul, and a body. Uh, and it's important for us to know and understand what the distinction between these three are because uh, that's who we are. Uh, and if you understand these things, you'll start to understand, well, well, why am I having struggles in this area of my life versus this area? Why is this thing over here easy for me to do, but this thing over here is hard for me to do? Why, you know, why is it hard for me to, to, to be consistent in the Word or consistent in my walk with the Lord? Why is that? Well, if we understand uh, where these problems come from and why they're there, and we can understand who we are in the Lord, see, then we can, it's easier for us to fix these things. Amen? You know, if you don't have any understanding, it's hard for you to fix things. Uh, and uh, you ever had a noise show up in your, in your car, and you don't know what it is? Well, you know how most people fix it? They turn the radio up. You turn the radio up, it's called stereo fix it, right? You turn the radio up, and the sound's gone. It's, like, it's a miracle, right? It's, so, so that means that there's no more problem, right? Well, it's still there. You're just hiding it, right? And so... But if you understand, you know, you, you hear a sound, you go, oh, that's got to be the canooter valve, right? And if it's a canooter valve, then, you know, if you know what it is, then you can change it, right? Now, I have no idea what a canooter valve is, but if it's broke, you can probably fix it, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of things that individually we have understanding about. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's like, uh, my, my wife's not here right now, but my wife, she'll, she'll say something like, uh, she's cooking something, baking something, you know, cookies or brownies or, or anything, right? And she'll, she'll say, go and see uh, if it's done. And, and I'm like, what's that mean? I mean, you can, I can open the oven up and I can look at it and go, I got nothing. Because, right? I mean, when you say, see if it's done, I don't know what that means. And I don't understand. How can you just look at it and tell if it's done, right? Well, you do that. You know, she, now she understands that. But uh, it, how many times she said, go and see if it's done. And, 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 it's, and I said, well, what do, you, what do you mean by that? You need to explain this to me, right? Uh, because for her, it's just obvious, right? It's just ob- well, it's obvious if it's done. Okay, well, you know, I don't have that understanding. You know, she does. Uh, and, and uh, you know, we'll go to a store somewhere, and, and uh, we went to the store one time. We were going to, we were, she was returning something that she'd bought, and she wanted some new, uh, some new, like a new throw for the, for, the, uh, for the living room, right? And I was probably, you know, I'm 58 years old right now, almost 59. I was probably 55 years old before I knew what a throw was, right? But now you know what a throw is. So, so it's a short blanket, right? So it's too short to put on your bed, so they, they make a fancy name for it and call it a throw, and you, and you put it on your couch because, you know, at our house, it's, uh, uh, it's always like 58 degrees in the house, right? Because my wife likes it cold, so... So uh, the throw's for my benefit. Uh, and so, but she says, uh, uh, we're at the store. She says, now, now go and get, uh, go pick out a new throw. And, and I just, just, everything in me just, it's, it's like, I just felt like a lamb to the slaughter. Because I'm just walking like, whatever I do, it's going to be wrong. You know, you know, you know, you can, but, you, but she sends you anyway. And you're like, why are you sending me? Because no matter what I do, it's going to be wrong. And so I'm just dragging, I'm just, you know, you just, you know, you've defeated. Before you even go have the battle, you're defeated already. You just walk in, it's like, and, and, you, and you go, it's all the way to the back of the store. So you go there, and they got a, a million of them, right? Now, which one do you pick? I don't know. And so I pick, you know, I, I pick one, but I know when I, as soon as I pick it, it's already wrong. There's nothing you can do about it. It's already wrong, because I have no understanding of what I'm supposed to do. Other than, I mean, I know what a throw is. It's a short blanket, right? So I have that understanding, but understanding which one is the right one for the house, I got nothing. And so I pick it out knowing that it's wrong. And so I'm just, now I'm going back to the front of the store, just, you know, just completely defeated, just, 
And she sees me about, you know, 30 feet away, and she sees the throw, and she's just like... It's, it's that look of... It's not a not look of disappointment. It's look of pity, right? Like, just, I'm just... I'm sorry, you know. I'm just sorry. You have no understanding of this at all, right? Just... just and, and so... Uh, there, and there's nothing I can do about it. You, it's just too late. You know, you, you know she, she sends you there. You, you've, already, you've already lost a battle before you ever start, uh, and that's just the way it is, right? And so, and now, how, I don't know, how, you, how do you get understanding about that, right? About which, which throw is the right throw? I have no idea, because there's no Bible for that. If there's a Bible for it, I can do it, right? But there's no Bible for it. It's like she came out of the womb, and she knows which one to pick. Well, that, that, you know, that gene was not passed down to me when I, when I was born in the earth. And it's still not there. You know, I mean, you could send me right now to go, I'll pick one out. And she's like, just no, just no. Right. And so it's sad, right? So we, we need, but I can get you understanding and spirits on the body, right? So that's why we need each other. She can pick out the throat. She can tell you when the food's done. I can tell you how spirit, soul, and body works. Amen? And so, so, that's, so that's why we have to work together. Amen? Because if we all had to do everything ourselves, it would it'd be a big mess. Amen? And so there is a distinction between spirit, soul, and body. Amen? Right. And we started talking last week about the spirit man and how God's a spirit and how we, we start over in, first, in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 9, where it says God lights every man that comes into the world. And so, and we also talked about in Hebrews chapter 12, where it says that God is the father of spirits. So you are a spirit being, amen? And that spirit being will live for eternity. Uh, No spirits ever cease to exist. Once God creates it, because we're created from his. He is a spirit. He's the father of spirits. So our spirits are created from the very essence of God. And that spirit will live eternity. It It cannot cease to exist. Now, where it lives is a choice, amen? It can choose to live uh, with the Lord forever and eternity in heaven, or it can choose to not live with the Lord for eternity in heaven. It can choose to follow the path of Satan and, and, the, and the devil and destruction and die and live eternity uh, uh, in, in the region of the damned, in hell. Uh, and, and it's just a choice, right? God's not sending anybody to hell. There's, no, you know, there's none of that. Uh, it's a choice. All of life is a choice. The, fund of, the basics of faith is that faith is a choice, amen? Uh, and so God is a father of spirits. You are a spirit being. Uh, and we talked about, uh, let's go back to uh, Romans chapter 7, because we've got to finish up there, and then we'll, we'll go on a little bit to find out what happens when you get born again. Uh, and so, and we're going to, we'll spend quite a bit of time in Romans chapter 7, because it covers uh, spirit and, and body uh, primarily there, a little bit of the soul. Uh, and so we had gotten down to uh, verse Nine, where it says, for I was alive without the law once or at one time, right? I was alive. So uh, now is he talking about physically alive? Is he talking about spiritually alive? He's talking about spiritually alive because he says, when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. So he's not talking about his physical life where his heart stops beating, you know, and his blood stops flowing. He's talking about his spiritual life because he's still alive when he's writing this book. Amen. He's physically alive when he's writing this book. So he didn't talk about dying physically. He's talking about dying spiritually. So when you, when you talk about dying spiritually, what does that mean? It just means death is the absence of life, right? Just like uh, darkness, uh, there's really not a thing called darkness. Darkness is the absence of light, right. amen? Uh, and the same thing with, uh, with cold. There's not, a, there's not a thing called cold. Uh, we call it cold, but it's not cold. There's not actually a thing of cold. It's actually the absence of heat, Amen. So uh, death is the absence of life. Well, what life are you absent from? It's not your life. You're still alive, right? But it's the absence of the life of God. 
because God lights or turns on the spirit man of every human being on the earth. So when every child is born on the earth, they are all alive unto God. Every child that comes in the earth is alive unto God because God created a spirit. He doesn't create dead spirits. He creates live spirits. So if that child died at birth or died, you know, not long after birth, where would that child go? Go to heaven because it's alive unto God. So that's, that's, the, that's the only requirement to get to heaven is to being alive unto God. Amen? Uh, and so uh, a lot of people want to make lists of things. Well, if you do this sin or that sin, you don't get to go to heaven. But what, what, uh, aren't you alive unto God? I mean, could you actually commit a sin as a, as a Christian and still make it to heaven? Well, if not, we're all in big trouble. Amen? Uh, and so you can commit a sin. Now, you shouldn't. Anybody's got a goal to commit sin? Anybody got a list? Today I'm going to commit this particular sin. Uh, well, surely you don't have that goal. Amen? But, you know, Christians do sin, and we'll talk a little bit as we go, a little bit about that as we go along. Uh, and so, but that child is alive under God. And at some point when that child makes a conscious decision, a, a, a mental decision, a, a decision of his will, that I know this is wrong, and I know why it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. Well, at that point, when that child makes that decision, and I say child because it happens early on in life, it's not, there's no particular age, it depends on the mental capacity of that child to, to make a decision of right and wrong. And so when is that? Well, it doesn't, we don't know, right? It's, it's five years old, eight years old, 12 years old, you know, sometime between that and then and there is when that child has that capacity to make that decision. When they choose to look at that choice that they have, the commandment, and that commandment's not just a biblical commandment, it's the commandments of their parents, commandments of, of the government that God, that, because God put authorities in the earth, right? Government authorities. But there's not too many, there's not too many uh, children trying to rise up against the government, though, is there? I don't think there is. So, but they'll rise up against their parents, right? And against uh, any authority that's in their life. And they'll make a conscious decision to, to, to rebel against that, that authority. In that moment when they do that, then that life of God is, is, it leaves their, their life, right? Because God uh, cannot be in the presence of rebellion. Uh, now, again, we call it the age of accountability because that's the best, best phrase for that uh, time frame because there's not a set age, right? It's not at 13 years old. It's not 8 years old. It's when that child has, has a mental awareness enough to make a decision of that capacity, then, then they, will, uh, they will lose the life of God. God will, will leave uh, that rebellion uh, uh, and be, they will be separated from the life of God. Uh, and so at that point, then they're in trouble spiritually. Amen. If they, at that point in time, if they then uh, somehow died physically for whatever reason, then having not made a decision to get back with the Lord, they would die and go to hell because they've chosen rebellion, right? They chose to do that. Now, if, if everybody could lay out and understand the full ramifications of all of their decisions, we would all be better off, Right. But, but very few people really understand the full ramifications of every decision they make. Well, I just had to do that. Well, you understand, you know, that, that now you've got, uh, you, now you're in big trouble, right, because of that decision. I had a, a fellow come by here one time asking for, fun, for some financial support from the church. He didn't go to this church, but, uh, uh, you know, and I've asked a lot of people, you know, well, why'd you come here for help from the church? I said, do you go to church? Yeah, well, why don't you ask your church if they can't help me? Well, I mean, you know, then... Go to church wherever you want to, but it seemed like you'd go to church that they could help you, right? But uh, anyways, none of my business. And so, uh, but uh, this fellow was needing help. I said, well, well, were you working? Yeah, I was working at Lazy Boys. So what happened? He said, well, the boss said something I didn't like, and so I quit. I said, well, so how's that working out for you? You know, no understanding of the ramifications of his decision, right? And he made the decision. 
He, he, he consciously chose to make the decision. Nobody made him do that. He made the decision. Now he's desperately, desperate financially because he quit because his boss is somebody he didn't like. I mean, I mean, what in the world, right? And so, again, none of my business, but, you know, he can make his own choices. But still, uh, if everybody knew the ramifications of every decision they make, you know, uh, then, then we would be better off. But, uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, you don't have to understand why that uh, or the ramifications of that decision. If it's wrong, it's wrong. It doesn't matter if it's wrong and you're going to, you know, be hungry in a week. Or it's wrong and, you know, these other things are going to happen. You're going to die and go to hell. Wrong is wrong. Amen. Because uh, a lot of times Christians wonder, well, how wrong is it? If it's a little wrong, I mean, you know, because there's only a little uh, bad things happen at the end of it. Uh, you know, that, that shouldn't be our priority of finding out, what, well, how bad will it be for me if I make that decision? Just wrong is wrong. And we should be satisfied with that. Amen. Uh, and so, so Paul said that, that when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Uh, and so uh, uh, later on, when we get down into our, talking about the physical body, we'll find out about where, when it says sin revived, where did that come from? Uh, and he died. So he, at this point in Romans chapter 7, uh, in verse 9, Paul has now died spiritually. So he's talking about historical situation, right? He's not talking about present day Paul. He's talking about Paul as a child that, as he was being raised up. Amen. Now, Paul was still a Pharisee of the Pharisee. It didn't help him. Amen. You don't you don't earn your way back to heaven. You don't earn your way back to by doing good works to heaven. And so we, we talked about uh, John chapter three, where where the Lord had talked to um, Nicodemus that a man must be born again. Uh, and so when when Jesus was telling Nicodemus that a man must be born again, he was specifically talking about his spirit man. Because when Paul is talking here in Romans chapter 7 that sin revived and I died, he was talking about his spirit man. Was he talking about his soul? Was he talking about his physical body? He's talking about his spirit man that is now separated from the life of God. And Jesus said that that spirit man needs to be reborn. That life needs to become, that life of God needs to come back into that spirit man. Uh, and so, well, how does that happen? Nicodemus, you know, he, he uh, uh, Jesus might as well have been talking, you know, I was going to say Greek, but that's how, what language they spoke back then, right? Start talking Greek. Okay, well, I can understand Greek. You know, that would have been fine, right, for Nicodemus, but not for me. Amen? Uh, and so he might as well have been speaking, you know, Tennessee or something to Nicodemus, and I have no idea what you just said. Right? When I moved to Tennessee in, in fifth grade, uh, we lived out kind of in the sticks, you know, and I went to, I went to school, uh, and, and uh, uh uh, a friend Tommy was there and, and so we were at lunch and Tommy started talking and I'm looking at him and, and, and like I hear words I have no idea what you're saying I mean because Tommy was from the outside the sticks right so you went down nowhere and hang a right and that's where Tommy lived and he was talking and, and it's like what are you saying what words are you using I mean I'm, they got to be English but I, but you know he was really country fried you know he was a good guy but uh, you know but uh, in fifth grade you know I came from New Hampshire and so you know, now I can translate both. If you need, if you need, you know, from to Chicago, New Hampshire, you know, I can translate that for you, right? Uh, and so, uh, and I can translate. People come down, you know, from the from the north. I can, well, you know, here, let me tell you what Tommy is saying. I understand Tommy now, you know, but back then I didn't know what he was saying. Uh, and so Nicodemus had no idea what Jesus was saying. Uh, what, what a man was he? Can he? Can a man go back into his mother's womb? See, he immediately went to the natural, right? immediately went to the natural. And we're, we're bad about that in the church, but only staying in the natural realm. Amen? But God is a spirit. We are spirit beings. Amen? We should be connected with the spirit realm. In fact, you know, if you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, you remember the, the Bible talks about how God would walk with Adam in the cool of the day? 
You think about that. God's a spirit. God didn't manifest himself as a natural being to walk with Adam. Uh, the distinction between spirit and in na- the natural world uh, back when Adam was first created was nearly non-existent. Even up to Enoch. Remember, the Bible says that Enoch walked with God and he was not. Uh, you know, Enoch, just, he just walked in the spirit with the Lord. He, you know, this is even after the fall. But still, there was a, a, a big awareness of the presence of God for centuries with humanity. And we've kind of lost that, right? The, our connection with the spirit realm as a whole, you know, the spirit realm is kind of way far away from us. But really, what we'll find out uh, from the New Testament is the Lord desires us to walk in the spirit, be aware of the spirit realm all the time. Amen. And it not to be such a huge distinction between the natural world and the spirit world. Right now, we're so comfortable in a natural world that the spirit world seems so far away, but it shouldn't seem so far away. God is in you. Amen. Uh, and so, so Paul said that, uh, that this happened, that he's now dead spiritually. So uh, we're in chapter 7, so turn over to chapter 10 here. Uh, and so we'll look at... Um, well, how do you change that situation, right? How do you change from having a spirit that is now separated from the life of God to now get the life of God back in, in it, amen? Uh, and so we'll look, at, uh, we'll look at these verses here. Uh, of course, we know these verses. It says in uh, Romans chapter 9, or Romans chapter 10, uh, verse 9, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth in righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So now that we use these, we call this a sinner's prayer, but it's not really the sinner's prayer, because what, what, what mention of sin is there in those two verses? Uh, you go back to verse 9 there, that if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, thou believe in thy heart, God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. How many sins did you confess in that prayer? Uh, I mean, if you're, if you're a sinner, I mean, well, yeah, in one sense, you're all of them, but if you're a sinner, uh, can you confess what you did uh, November 13th on a Tuesday night at 7 o'clock? I'm sure you sinned then, but what'd you do? Can you confess that sin? Well, you can't because you don't even remember what it was, right? Uh, and so, so what, when Jesus came, you know, uh, if you look at the, and, and there's no way we have time to go through the whole plan of redemption because the, the whole plan of redemption is so big and took Jesus thousands of years to, to consummate it and to complete it by the going to the cross and really the resurrection. Uh, but, but one of the first things that the Lord wanted to do was he needed to, to, to uh, in fact, uh, we'll come back to Romans chapter 7. Let's go back to, over to uh, Galatians chapter 3, uh, and we'll see the whole plan of redemption here. Uh, and so, yeah, Galatians chapter 3, uh, and so uh, we, know, we know this verse uh, in chapter 3, verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Curses everyone that hangeth on a tree. So uh, the curse of the law was what we read in, in Romans chapter 7. Uh, and it's not just, again, the law of the first five books of the Old Testament, right? Which is when you talk about the law, uh, technically that's what they're talking about. It's just the law of right and wrong. Amen. So, uh, and the law basically is if you do wrong, then, then the devil has a right to come and destroy your life. Because that's the whole point of the devil trying to get people to do wrong is so that they can yield to him and now he's in charge of their life and he can destroy them as best he can. Uh, and so, 
so there was a curse associated with the law, right? If you do wrong, then bad things come into your life. That was under the Old Covenant, right? And it was, it was codified in the Old Covenant. Uh, and you go to the summary chapter of Deuteronomy 28, and it says, if you obey the Lord God, all these wonderful things will happen. If you disobey the Lord God and don't what he do, he said, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Uh, and so this, in, in context, that's really what he's talking about here. And it says that Christ hath redeemed us or purchased us out of the curse of the law. So the word redeem means to purchase, right? To purchase you out of the marketplace. So uh, the, the whole problem with mankind was there was a sin. Uh, and the sin is just rebellion against the Lord. Sin is the, the definition of sin is missing the mark. Well, who sets the mark? Well, God sets the mark, right? He says, this is the way to live. And, and if you live for me, because there's an enemy out there, so be careful, but if you live for me, all is well. If you don't live for me, well, then you're on the enemy's territory and, and you're kind of, you know, at the mercy of the enemy, which he has no mercy. Uh, and so, so uh, uh, Christ hath redeemed us. He purchased us out of the marketplace uh, of the sin. And so w- when, when mankind sins, see, then they've got to find a way to get back to the Lord. And, and what he did in the Old Testament for the church uh, or for the, for the people of God, is he said, well, you know, I'm working on this bigger deal right now, but between now and then, you know, I've got a kind of temporary deal that will work uh, kind of, sort of, not as good as what I'm working towards, but, you know, it'll be good enough for now. Uh, if, if, if you'll shed blood of these animals, then that blood will pay for you a temporary reprieve from the results of your sin. Uh, and they would have to do that every year, right? Uh, and they would do the Day of Atonement, and they would, they would kill some uh, bulls and goats and other mammals and birds and different things and sometimes uh, turtle doves and all kinds of, you know, I mean, if you were an animal and you were on the list, you know, uh, don't go hang around the bad people because they're going to kill you for their benefit, right? Because I just did, I did, made a mistake, so I'm going to now kill you because I made a mistake. Well, that doesn't seem fair to the animal, but, you know, that's the way it was. And so, so uh, they could purchase a, a, a short-term reprieve from the, from the ramifications of their sin Right, the, the enemy couldn't come and destroy them, and the Lord, the Lord would protect them for a period of time. But if they continued sin, which they did, they'd have to repeat that again at some point in time. You know, you, uh, for sure on a yearly basis. But there were other other situations where you could go at any time to the temple and take a take an offering and uh, kill a mammal of some kind and uh, and get back right with the Lord. Uh, and so, but that sin was causing a separation between mankind and God, and God didn't like that. But it was man's choice. Man chose to do that. And so God's uh, made a plan. Well, what we need to do is figure out, uh, if I'm going to redeem them, we need to figure out what the price is, right? Because that's the whole point of redemption is to purchase us out of uh, the, the world of sin. Uh, and so when God, the judge in, in heaven, was looking at, well, what's it going to cost to redeem mankind? Then the only thing he found that was of great value, enough value, was not the blood of bulls and goats, because that was only a partial value, was the blood of his own son. And so, you know, uh, Jesus, if you'll go down to the earth and, and you'll get in a body, we'll talk about Jesus' body as we go along. If you go in and get in a body and live and then die and shed blood, he said that blood will be perfect. And that blood, because you're, you're God, so he didn't send an angel down, right? He didn't send, you know, a seraphim or, you know, another angelic being. He sent his own son because that was the only thing of, of enough value to purchase and pay, pay for all the sin problems of the world. Uh, and so he was willing to do that, and, and he did that. So he, he says, when Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, so all, all the ramifications of sin, the blood of Jesus paid for that. Now, he paid for that. Uh, who did he pay, pay that for? 
Only the Christians? Everybody, right? Who, who exists in the world that has committed a sin that is not, uh, that has not been purchased, the, the ramification of that sin has not been paid for by the blood of Jesus? Does anyone exist like that? So every human being on the earth that has committed a sin, even all those from Romans chapter 7, right, that, they all, that sin, sin revived and they died, that, go, that goes for everybody in humanity, right, except for we talked about the exception last week, uh, those who don't know enough to make that decision. But for the most part, every person in humanity will make that decision. They'll sin, rebel against the plan and will of God, and they'll be separated from the life of God, and they'll be dead spiritually. Now, the blood of Jesus came to pay for all that, and he paid for everybody. Everybody's sins have been paid for right now. So, so does that mean nobody goes to hell? No, that doesn't mean that at all. Because the, 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 the key is you have to choose to accept that work as an act of your will. He did the work for you, but you have to choose to accept that, that he paid that for you, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, you ever, you ever had somebody say, well, you know, I'll pay that for you. Oh, no, no, you don't have to do that. I'll take care of it myself. But, but I'll, I'll do that for you, right? Uh, and, you know, uh, now I was a little slow when I first got married. You know, I didn't really understand these things, right? Because I grew up uh, in the idea that, well, I'm a man. I got to do things on my own, right? Uh, and so... When we first got married, we came back from a honeymoon, and, and we had two vehicles. At the time, I was going to school, uh, and, uh, and my battery was dead in my car. And so I'm just thinking, well, I'm a man. I just got to walk. And so I just walked, you know. Uh, and so somehow Chris was telling her mom about it uh, and said, you know, uh, Chip's walking to school every day, you know. Uh, and would you buy him a battery? And I said, well, you don't have to buy me a battery. I'll just walk until we get enough money to buy a battery, you know. Because, see, I'm stupid, right? And so I, I don't know enough to let somebody else help me. Amen? Uh, and, and so, you know, Chris being uh, Chris, he's like, you know, quit being stupid and, and let them buy the battery for you, right? And so you can just drive to school. Because, I mean, you know, I can, at least I've got something I can tell them. Oh, I had to walk to school, you know. What'd you do, children? You know, I talk to my kids about how I had to walk to school when I first got married. You know, what have you done that's so hard? Well, I only was walking to school because I was dumb, right? It wasn't because I, I was being, uh, I was doing right. And so, uh, so all, and it's the same thing. Jesus has paid for all the sins, but people have to accept that work, right? You go back to Romans uh, 9, uh, 10, 9, and 10, that you have to confess. First of all, Jesus is your Lord, right? And that God raised Jesus from the dead, which, which implies that you, that you believe that everything that Jesus did for you, that he did. He went to the cross, died, shed blood, was raised from the dead. Okay, I believe that, and now I choose to confess him as my Lord. Now he's in charge of my life. And God says, when you do that, the life of God will come back into you, and your spirit man is born again, right? The life of God comes back into you. When you make a conscious decision, because you had to make a conscious decision to get out of the life of God, and so now you have to make a conscious decision, an active decision to accept the life of God to come back into you. So Jesus paid the price for that, for all of humanity, but the, so the only last little thing they got to do is, is accept it. That's it. He's done all the work, spent thousands of years, uh, and, and the very king of the universe came to the earth and died for you, and, and you don't want to accept it? No. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I, I, to me, I can't understand how there's not one intelligent human being that's not a Christian today. How is everybody not saved? I mean, if, you could really, if they could really understand the deal that was laid before them, and appreciate the work that God did for them, yeah. who wouldn't sign up for that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I could just say yes and get it all? Yeah. No, nah, I don't think I want to do that. 
Really? I mean, why would you not want to do that? And yet people every day, no, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't believe that, really. Uh, uh, and so uh, I don't know, it's, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. I, you know, I wanted to get saved all my life. I, I mean, as a child going to school, I, was, I, you know, I didn't know what the word saved even meant. I just wanted God. Yeah. As long as I can remember, I always wanted God. And finally someone says, here's how to get God. Okay, I can do that. Uh, and so uh, I, I don't know, I, you know, because God speaks the same to everybody. I'm not special. You know, he's talking to every human being on the earth. Hey, I want to be your father. I want you in my family. He's talking to every human being that's breathing air right now. I want you in my family. Uh, any people, I don't want to do that. Uh, so Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, curse everyone that hangeth on a tree. Why? What's the, what's the goal, though? See, the goal, uh, he tells us in verse 14. And I, you know, I mean, as, as Pentecostals and Charismatics, you know, uh, uh, Galatians 3.13 is kind of like, you know, you're required to know that by heart, right? But I really think that verse 14 is even better than verse 13 because verse 14 says, why did he do these things? Why did he spend all that time and effort to do that? He says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. This is what God wanted. He not only wanted the life of God back in you, but he wanted to add to the life of God with the Spirit of God. He wanted the Spirit of God in you all this time. And so he did all this work, and so he had to take care of the sin problem. The sin problem wasn't the problem, wasn't the end goal. The end goal was the Spirit of God in you. But to do that, he had to, to, first of all, uh, pay for the sin. Then he had to get your spirit born again. Then, now you have the life of God in you, now you're qualified to receive the Spirit of God. So so there's a lot of work that had to get done to get to that point. But the the sin, you know, so, so often in the church we elevate... The problem of sin. The problem of sin is, is a minor problem that, that uh, God's dealt with by the blood of Jesus. It's gone. It's not even a problem anymore uh, as far as the Lord's concerned, right? As far as humans are concerned, it's a big problem. But as far as the Lord's concerned, it's already been dealt with. He wants to get the Spirit of God on the inside of humanity. But he can't do that unless their spirits are born again. And so Paul said uh, that he died. Then he told us in, Rome, in chapter 10, here's how to get the life of God back in you. And we see that the getting the life of God back in you was just really to get the Spirit of God in you at, at that point in time. Amen? Uh, and so, so, so that's the whole point of, of uh, getting born again. And so let's turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll look at a couple things here. Because I, what, I what I'm trying to get to is to get us some understanding of, of what occurred. You know, we say born again. You know, what does that fully mean? So we, we did talk about how it means that the, that the life of God is now back in you, right? So to be born again means to be born back like you were the first time. So when you came into the earth, you had the life of God in you, in your spirit being. You were alive unto God. Uh, and so now you've accepted the Lord, uh, and uh, he redeemed you from that. You've accepted the Lord God. Your spirit man is born again, uh, and the spirit of God now uh, lives in you. So here we have... In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says in verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So when you get born again, what happens to you on the inside? It says you are a new creature, right? A brand new creature. Not just a painted over creature. See, in the Old Testament, it was called atonement, right? Atonement means a covering. So you didn't actually fix anything. You just painted over it. You ever had people, you know, buy a car and, and it's all rusted out, but, you know, you slap a coat of paint on it yesterday and, and you can't tell. 
until next week when the first time it rains and all that paint falls off, right? And what do they do? They just cover it over all the sin, right? Because it is sin. When they say your car like that, that's sin. Uh, and so uh, they just covered it over. So it didn't fix anything. They just covered it over. Uh, they atoned it, amen? And well, we're not atoned. I know the, the, there's a, a, an incorrect translation in the New Testament of the word atone, but, we're, but we are redeemed, amen? So, so we have a better deal than the old covenant had. They were atoned, but we are redeemed. And so we, we've got a, a much better situation. He said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. So now, again, Paul said we got spirit, soul, and body. So are you a new creature uh, in your physical body? Do you look different when you get saved? No, I mean, you pretty much look exactly the same, right? Uh, what about your soul? We, talked, we haven't gone into much detail yet about the soul, but the soul is made up of the mind, the will, and the emotions. Do you think uh, uh, entirely differently when you get saved? I mean, you might think some things differently, but for the most part, still your normal thought life, right? You still think kind of the same and act the same, and, and you still have emotions when you get saved, right? Sometimes you've got to work through some emotions. Uh, if you've got anger problems, right? I know people go to anger management. Why are you managing anger? Just put it away, right? I'm, I never understood the anger management, so we're, we're trying to make sure that anger, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, that's in the world, and I, the world could do whatever it wants to, but, uh, you know, we've got to be careful of bringing that stuff into the church. We don't manage anger in the church. We do away with it, amen? Uh, and so, uh, we put off the old man, amen? We don't manage the old man. We put him off, amen? Uh, and so uh, he's a new creature. So when he's talking about a new creature, he's talking about your spirit man is brand new, born again, amen? So it's not just repaired. It's not corrected. It's, it, it's just thrown away, and a brand new one is, is, is put in place of it. Now, how does God do that? I have no idea. But he says he does it. Amen. And so you're a brand new creature. He said, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. And then, of course, in verse 18 says, all things are of God. Amen. And then he comes down to, to verse 21, and he, he kind of reiterates some of the things we've, we mentioned already. For he hath made him to be sin. So talking about God the Father has made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin, uh, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So... Uh, when, when we go through that age of accountability and, and the, we're separated from the life of God, now uh, we can go through Romans 10, 9, and 10. We can accept Jesus as our Savior. And when we choose to do that, right, so that choice comes first. When we choose to do that, then God will come down and he will cause, first of all, your spirit to be made brand new. And then uh, he'll put the life of God in it and the spirit of God will come in and dwell with you in your spirit man. Uh, and so that's the status of, of a child of God, of a Christian, amen? And so if that Christian died, physically died, then they have the life of God in them. It's just like they're in the exact same position spiritually uh, as far as uh, qualifications when they were born into the earth. They would go and spend eternity with the Father in heaven. And so that, that's the requirement to get to heaven is to have the life of God in you. The church will always wants to keep, keep going back to we want to measure what things you do. But what you do is different than what your spirit's condition is. Amen? Amen. You still have a flesh. You still may make uh, mistakes and do things wrong. But the qualification to heaven is a born-again spirit. It is not a perfect flesh. Amen? Now, if a perfect flesh was the requirement to get to heaven, nobody would make it to heaven. Literally, nobody would make it to heaven. Uh, you think there's any Christians? Now, there are some people in, groups of people in the church who really believe when they get saved, they never make another mistake again. It's like, really? That is super impressive. It's a lie, but it's super impressive, right? Because, I mean, you know, I know they're not maybe robbing banks, right? They may not be pushing children down on the playgrounds or any, anymore. 
But they ever had a thought of pride? They ever held ill will against their neighbor? They ever gossiped about somebody? They, 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 they ever, you know, uh, I can't say that because I'll get in trouble. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, what list of things have they, have they done? Right? They ever been unkind to their wife? Right? Unkind to their, their, to their I mean, the Bible says, uh, fathers, don't, don't provoke your children, right? They ever been wrong to you, with your children? I've had to repent to my children many times. I, I know parents, I don't ever repent to my children. Why? You, you, I mean, you're not perfect. I, I can tell you you're not perfect. Surely you've done something wrong. Uh, there's nothing wrong with repenting to your children. Uh, if you've done wrong by them, then you should repent to them. Amen? I mean, it's just my, my two cents there of uh, that. Now, and so, the church keeps struggling with, uh, with uh, uh, measuring the things you do in the natural world and saying that will disqualify you from heaven. And, but all of these things we read, it doesn't say, say anything about uh, what you do in, in their flesh. Amen? Now, uh, uh, should Christians commit sins? No, they shouldn't commit sins. Is it good for them to commit sins? It's, of course, it's not good for them to commit sins. We talked. We spent a lot of time talking about that uh, uh, at the end of last year uh, in in some of our uh, teachings. Then, uh, but and you can go back and listen to those if you want to. All of that's available online. But um, so the the qualification to get to heaven is a born again spirit, a spirit that has the life of God in it. That's what qualifies you to spend eternity in the presence of God. Is His life in you? In your spirit man, right? Because it's in your spirit man he's talking about. Amen? Uh, and so you've got to get that settled in your heart because we're, we, we so often want to forget the spirit man and only want to focus on the, the good things or bad things we do in the flesh. And, and see, that's kind of normal because what we like to do is, is we like to look around and go, I'm better than that guy over there. That makes me worthy to heaven. I didn't do what he did, so I must be better than him. And we love measuring ourselves against each other, don't we? Uh, and, and as long as we don't do as bad as the guy next to you, then you're on your way to heaven. Well, that's terrible, right? Because there's always somebody who could be better at you than something. Uh, something, Amen? Uh, and if that's the measurement, then, then we, kinda, we have to do with every, away with everything we've read about the born-again experience, about the redemption, about the Spirit of God in you, about being a new creature. None of that's got anything to do with what you're doing in the flesh. It's only got to do with what you've decided to do in the realm of the Spirit. Uh, and so if you, if you choose to do that, See, now we're not trying to minimize the errors that Christians do, amen? Uh, we're not trying to say that it doesn't matter what you do, doesn't matter that you sin. It does matter. It will have gra- grave consequences uh, in your life, amen? Uh, and, and, you know, and of course we have healing school at, on Sundays at 3 o'clock. We've talked about healing for many years. Uh, and one of the things we found is that uh, sin can, doesn't always, but sin can be a hindrance to you receiving your, your, your healing, right? If you're sick, that doesn't automatically mean, well, you must have some kind of sin in your life. No, it doesn't mean that, that because there were sometimes, uh, Jesus said, nobody sinned. It just happened, right? So sometimes sickness and disease just happens. There's no, sometimes there's no cause for it. It's just because we live in a fallen world and there's sin around the world. You know, right now there's germs on that doorknob. Uh, you want to go lick that doorknob? I'm not going to go lick it, right? But if you licked it, you know, you might, get, you might catch something there, right? Now, I would encourage you, don't lick it. Because if you lick it, I'm never touching it again, right? Until I spray the little stuff on it, you know, and get it all cleaned up. But there's just sickness in the air, amen? And we, we are redeemed from the sickness, but still, if it can, it's going to try to get into your life. Man, it have nothing to do with what you've done, right or wrong, just because it's in the world, amen? Now, but sometimes, 
sin can be the cause for, for sickness and disease, right? The man that was born by four with, with his friends and lay down in Luke chapter uh, 5. They was uh, sent down into the house right after they took the roof off. And the uh, first thing Jesus said, Son, thy sins are forgiven. And then he healed him. Why? So sometimes, not always, but sometimes sin is a cause for, for uh, or, or sick, uh, sin is a cause for sickness and disease. Amen. And what I would encourage you is if there's any sickness in your life, first thing I always do, if it's, if it's chronic or something that's consistent or, or something that, 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 you know, that, that won't go away, I always check in with the Lord. Lord, do, is there anything I need to repent of? It doesn't hurt to ask, right? And he may say, no, there's nothing like that, you know. But sometimes people ask him, let me give you a list. And some people don't want the list, right? Well, you know, you don't know what they did to me. And the Lord's like, it doesn't matter. You know, you have to act right. You know, one thing I always told my kids, I said, it doesn't matter if you're hungry or tired or how somebody treated you, you still have to do right. A lot of parents are like, well, they're rotten because they're tired. I don't care. I told my kids, I don't care if you're tired or not. Well, they're rotten because they're hungry. So you're just telling them that it's okay that, that they can have an excuse that they are not guilty of their sin if they're tired. And I, I never told my children that it was okay to, to excuse your sin because of, uh, you weren't feeling good or tired or whatever, hungry. Because they, they go up as adults and they say, I'm not responsible for my sin because they made me mad. No difference, right? Then what they're saying is, Lord, I'm not responsible. And the Lord's like, last time I checked, I'm the judge, not you. And I judge that you get to make your choices and nobody can make you do anything. Uh, and that's what I tell you in my word. Uh, well, we don't like that deal, Lord. It doesn't matter. That's the deal. Amen. Uh, and so, so we've got to get out of this, this mindset about the things we do uh, in this world uh, is, uh, it, it's separate from the position of, of your spirit man. Amen. So your spirit man is born again. It's on the way to heaven. And, and the, Lord, the Lord said, all things are, uh, all things are new. Amen. Uh, and then uh, real quick, turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. So uh, if that's true, if your spirit man is born again when you accept the Lord as your Savior uh, and is made brand new, uh, then, then we need to have confidence in that. And, and Ephesians chapter 1 to help us to have some confidence uh, in this. And we're going to read a verse out of chapter 1 and verse out of, uh, out of chapter uh, 4 here in just a second. In, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, it says, In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So what's Paul talking about? He's talking about being born again, right? Uh, and he said, uh, after you did those things, right, once you accepted the Lord Jesus, once you acknowledged him as your Lord, once you accepted the work that he did on the cross, he said you were born again, and what happened to your spirit man uh, when that occurred? When you accepted that, we, we read in, in 2 Corinthians that you're a new creature, but he also gives us some more insight here, is when, after you did that, he said, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. If you look up that word seal, the word seal has two, has two primary definitions. One is to seal in the, in the sense of sealing for protection, right? Like you'd seal uh, a deck or seal, you know, wood or some kind. You, you, see, you put sealant on it so it's protected from any outside uh, influences, right? So when it rains or, or storms, it doesn't cause any problems with that wood. And if you seal it right, you know, it could last for a long time, amen? It won't last forever because it's still made out of wood, but it'll last for a lot longer, but your spirit man is sealed by the Holy Ghost. So, so if it's sealed by the Holy Ghost, then what's it protected from? Any spiritual influences that would try to cause it problems. So if it's sealed by the Holy Ghost, uh, then, then, uh, then, then 
what spiritually, what other spiritual uh, being could come in there and cause problems with your spirit being? None. So the devil's a spirit being, right? Could the devil actually uh, cause you uh, and get into your spirit? If it's sealed by the Holy Ghost, could he somehow break that seal? How's the devil going to break the seal of the Holy Spirit? Is he more powerful than the Holy Spirit? He's not more powerful than the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, And so a lot of times people have all kinds of weird, you know, I need spiritual healing. You ever heard a phrase like that? Spiritual healing? Yeah, that sounds good. Not scriptural, right? If you're born again, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. You don't ever need any spiritual healing. Now you need spiritual growth, right? Because like a brand new baby, that's a healthy baby, has has all the parts there, but they still got to grow up. Amen? Uh, There's nothing inherently sick about them. Uh, other than they're just, they're just complete, you know, they're just users, right? They just use you, and they, they just eat from you, and they just make dirty diapers, and they never add any value to it at all. They don't, they don't work. They don't, add any, don't, don't pay you any rent. They just take, 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 right? Uh, and so, uh, so, but as a spirit being, see, you're sealed. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's what he said, right? You're sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. And so there's no errors in your spirit, man. And it's sealed from protection. There's, nothing, there's no enemy can get in there and cause problems. You, you don't need spiritual healing. You don't have a hole in your spirit. You don't have any errors in your spirit. There are no errors in your spirit whatsoever when you're born again. You are a, alive unto God, made in God's image and God's likeness. And you have to have confidence in that. Because there's a lot of weird things that, that, that crop up in the church about, you know, spiritual healing. Now, see, spiritual healing sells well, right? And we, if, if, I, if I just uh, started talking about spiritual healing, I could fill up the, the altar with an altar call. Anybody who needs spiritual healing, be, oh, I need spiritual healing. You know, they did these things to me, and it's, it's not true. They're, they're preying on your mind, right? They're preying on your emotions. They're manipulating you. It is not biblically true that you ever need spirit if you're born again. Now, if you're not born again, you, don't need spirit, you still don't need spiritual healing. You need to be born again. Right, yeah. Jesus told Nicodemus, you don't need spiritual healing. You need to be born again, a brand new creature. Right. Throw out the old creature. You, you can't fix it. You can't heal it. Yeah. You've got to get a brand new one. Amen? And we've got to have confidence of that in the church. Your spirit is alive unto God. You've accepted him. He sealed you. And the other part of the seal is seal of ownership. In the realm of the spirit, if you could see your spirit man, it would say owned by God. So the devil comes around and goes, I don't want any of that. He, he, the devil has no interest in, in attacking your spirit, man. In fact, what we're going to look at later on when we get into, uh, into the soulless realm, that the battlefield of the Christian is not the spirit man. The battlefield of the Christian is the mind, is the soul of man. Amen? It's in the realm of the spirit, but still, the, where he goes to fight you is not your spirit man, because it's sealed by God and got his name on it. He doesn't want any of that. But he will try to seduce you, right? Seduction doesn't occur in your spirit man. It occurs in your soul. Amen? Uh, and so let's turn over to chapter 4 real quick, and we'll look at one more verse, and, and we'll, we'll go for today. Uh, in, um, in chapter 4, it says in verse 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. You know, when we get into emotions, we're going to find out God created emotions. Why? Because he has emotions. You know, you can grieve God. Well, that's an emotional response. Amen? So, to be grieved. Well, why? Well, because God created emotions. He has emotions. Amen? He, uh, he ever talk, heard about the anger of God, right? Uh, the wrath of God, the, God being grieved, amen? Uh, uh, and so, uh, but that's not what we're going to get to right now. That, that's on down the street there. Uh, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. So again, he has sealed you. So if that's true, if you're born again, 
Uh, if you've got a brand new spirit in you, created from, from God, and that he seals that, then that means that your spirit man should be a, a guide to your life that will never uh, mislead you. If that's true, amen, if it's alive unto God, has the life of God in it, then you should be able to find a way to tap into your spirit man and to hear from the spirit man and then to, to be led by your spirit man and, and to never make a mistake again in your life. And that's, that's actually possible, right? If you would learn, and we're going to talk a little bit about how to distinguish between soul and spirit because you need to know, well, is that my soul or is that my spirit? Well, we'll find out how to make that distinction here, uh, not today, but uh, at some point in time we'll learn because we need to, if we can learn how to only tap into our spirit man and listen to our spirit man in every situation, in every circumstance, our spirit man would never mislead us. Uh, the spirit man would say, yeah, go rob that bank, it'll be good. Your spirit man's never going to say that. Now your mind be like, they, 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 you know, uh, they owe you money, right? I told you when I, when I was uh, in uh, sixth grade, I was 12 years old, right? And I did my crime spree. I was stealing like bubble gum from the, from the grocery store because I was a hardened criminal, right? Uh, and, 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 and our family, the way we grew up was, if I can steal it, then it's your fault because you should have had better security. If I can get away with it, that's your problem. Uh, see, and so that's how you justify it, right? Now, see, now your mind will say that, your flesh will tell you that, your spirit man will never tell you that. Your spirit man will be like, dummy, no, you, you can't do that. What? I got away with it. Doesn't matter, right? Your spirit man will never, ever mislead you. Now, you need to feed your spirit. You need to allow your spirit to grow and feed it on the word of God, feed it on the presence of God, feed it on the, on the knowledge of God, amen? If, you, if you're, you know, just like a baby, uh, that baby will never make a mistake, but you're not going to give the keys to your car to that baby. It'll be all right, honey. You know, I can't reach the pedals. It's fine. It's just, it's just do it, right? No. You, you, why? Because it's not grown enough to do that. Amen. It's not mature enough to do that. And, so, and yet, a lot of times, you know, people that are young Christians, they'll go and do, I can handle it. Well, you know, uh, we're, we're in a, where are we at? In Ephesians chapter uh, uh, 4 there, just go back to cha chapter 3 where he says that he, in verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So if you can be strengthened uh, with might by his spirit, then you can be weak in the spirit. Why does, why does a, a perfectly strong spirit need to be strengthened? It doesn't. A weak uh, or an, 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 an unable spirit or a weak spirit needs to be strengthened, right? Or a spirit that's not fully mature needs to be strengthened. So there is spiritual maturity that needs to occur in every Christian's life. But see, if you'll, if you'll focus on that, work on that, uh, in being spiritually strong in the inner man, uh, and we'll, we'll talk some more about that as we go along, if you work on that, see, then, then that spirit man in you will always say, There's, this is the exact right thing to do right here. And he'll never, ever mislead you, ever. And if, and if you would yield to that 100%, and, that, and that's where Christians fail, is they don't yield to their spirit man 100%, they yield to their emotions. Well, they deserve to hear that. Well, I needed to tell them that. Well, I, you know, I had to have that. That's yielding to your emotions, to your flesh, and you override the voice of your spirit. Your spirit man is like, no, you shouldn't do that. But your spirit man tends to be quiet, right? He's the quiet one, right? Your flesh is really loud, right? Your, vo your mind can be even louder, uh, and your spirit man, be, he'll be the quiet one in the corner going, eh, I don't think you should do that. No, don't do that. Uh, well, I'm going to do that anyway. Spirit man, think, well, all right, let's go for let's go for a ride, boys, because it's not going to be fun for the next little bit, but we'll do it anyway, amen. Uh, and so, 
uh, your spirit man has been sealed by God. It's a great, it's a great source of strength. It's a great source to, to lead you and guide you into all truth, right? Because he gets his information. He's in the realm of the spirit, right? Your spirit man is who you are, but he gets his information from the spirit of God who also lives in you. And so the Spirit of God is telling your spirit all the time, hey, do this, don't do that, you know, go there, don't go there, don't, don't go there, sell this, buy that. Your spirit man is always hearing from heaven, uh, and he's informing your mind and your will what to do. Uh, and, and if you'll contrain yourself to yield to that, man, your life will be wonderful. Yeah. But so often there's just so much conflict in a, in a Christian's life. Spirit man's always saying, do the right thing, and your flesh is over there just so loud and boisterous and obnoxious. Shut up. Don't do those things. You know, they deserve that. And, you know, they need to hear what you had to say. Uh, and, and you need to call them and tell them these things, right? And all, all this stuff. And, uh, and your spirit man's like, don't do that. But he'll be quiet. He'll be the quiet one. Amen? Uh, and if you can learn to be quiet on the inside, your life will be much better. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. Amen? And so, Father, we do thank you for the word of God. Father, we thank you that we are spirit beings. We are sealed by the Holy Ghost, Father until the day of redemption. You've sealed us, you protected us, Father. And so, Lord, we desire for our spirits to grow, to increase, Father, that you said that we can be strengthened with all might in our inner man, Father, by the Spirit. Uh, and so, Father, our spirits can grow, they can be strong uh, and unwavering, Father, to do your will, to do your plan. And so, Lord, we thank you that we can do that. And if we, if we can do it, Father, then we will do it. We will focus on our spirit, man, and be led by your spirit, Father, in all that we do. Uh, and if we do that, Father, then we'll have days of heaven upon the earth. And we thank you for that, Lord. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, we got you born again. Last week, we kind of left you, you know, you, got, you died spiritually, right? So we kind of left you hanging. Well, we got you born again this week. So uh, we'll, we'll talk some more. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about what it means to live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. Uh, because that, that, your spirit, man, is the most important aspect of your, of your life. Amen. Not your flesh, uh, not your mind, your will and emotions. Your spirit man is the most important aspect of your life because that's who you are, right? You are a spirit. Uh, and that part will live forever uh, in, for all eternity. Amen. Uh, and so uh, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And don't forget we have uh, healing school today at 3 o'clock. And um, we're continuing on uh, in teaching on T.J. McCarson's book called uh, Bodily Healing and the Atonement. And he's making a case that... Uh, uh, physical healing was part of the work of the cross, which, you know, for, for normal folks, are like, well, yeah, but for a lot of people, th th that's new information to them. They don't realize that, and so that's what we're going through and looking at that. Amen? And so let's pray and thank the Lord for the opportunity to give. So, Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to give today. Father, it is a blessing to give. We thank you, Father, that you've prospered us, you've increased us, Father, and because of that, it's a joy for us to give back into your kingdom. And so, Father, with faith and gladness, we give and we ask you, Father, that as we give, that with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into our bosoms. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, come ahead, Mr. Jared. And um, um, let's see. Um, oh, we're talking about healing school day. So when's our next uh, church meal, by the way? Um, our next church meal is... What? We have pizza for, oh, for, my, for my birthday? Yeah. Well, I'd like to invite all of you for my birthday meal that I had no idea was happening. Amen. Uh, and so, my birthday's tomorrow, so. Pizza should be here in about 15 minutes. We have enough for everybody. 
Okay, so uh, everybody's invited uh, uh, to my pizza party, and, and um, but I had no idea what was going to happen, and so, um, but uh, all right, so uh, yeah, well, well, that's it. We're good. Um, and so is that it? Uh, all right, so we'll have our, I guess we're going to set up for tables then, and we'll do that, and then, um, uh, and then we'll have, I'm all flustered now because I had no idea this was going to happen, so. <laughs> All right, let's set up the, uh, what's that? A funny surprise. Yes, I had no idea that was going to happen, right? Uh, and so, uh, well, let's see. We'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and bless the food now. And so when it arrives, it'll be blessed all the way between the, here and the, and the pizza place, right? Uh, and then we'll set up the tables. Amen. And so, Father, we do thank you uh, for the opportunity to fellowship with your people, Father. We thank you for this food. And, Lord, according to your word, we declare blessed and sanctified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's almost eat. <laughs>